The um, scripture that Brenda's about to read to you comes from one of the epistles, 1 Timothy. And in, in this book, the writer has been trying to help the congregation figure how to live faith going forward. And you have to understand that the early church was a very interesting mixture of groups of the culture. There were uh, those who were laborers, those who were the wealthy, uh, those who were educated, those who were not, those who were of different cultural backgrounds. And in trying to write to them, he concludes this first letter, first of two that he writes to the church, to help them understand how to focus on experiencing the fullness of life as God intends it. I invite you to hear Brenda as she reads to you from this section. 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 through 19. As for those who in the present age are rich, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Brenda. Would you join with me in prayer? Gracious and loving God, I ask you to send your anointing spirit now. Pour it upon me that you might cleanse me of all flaws and keep me from all distraction that would prevent me being an open vessel for your word. And I ask that you would send your same spirit to do it with all of us, that we would be ready to hear, that we would be ready to be blessed, not by me, but by you, and that we would be ready to respond today and all days faithfully in the name of Christ. Amen. I'm in that sandwich generation. I have children who are taking care of children. And Laura is my wife is down right now in North Carolina with our grandchildren and daughter, and also with her dad, um, who has Alzheimer's and is struggling with some health issues. And, and I also have my mom and dad who live in Montrose, and most of you have heard me talk about them. You know that they're in their 90s and that mom has a, a very slight diagnosis of dementia, but otherwise is relatively healthy, um, but failing. And she's under hospice care in a care facility. I try to get up once a week, sometimes twice a week, sometimes more when the call comes that something's going on, they need me to come up to take care of. And I uh, went up this past Tuesday first to stop at the house so that I could help fix dad's phones. Um, He thinks it's the phone why he can't hear, but that's another story. Um... And after I did whatever I could with the phone, I then went over to visit mom. And I had some time alone with mom before dad got there, and we were just talking. And 
when dad came in the room, she turns to him right away and says, where's the box? And uh, he said, well, it's over, and he showed it. And uh, so he got the box, which is in front of me now, and sort of gave it to mom, who, and then handed it to me. So it was mom giving me the box. And she wanted to share with me what was in this box, and it looks like this, and it had the tin foil on top. So I'm thinking, you know, I don't know what's in here. Baked goods, I don't have any idea what's in here. So I open up the box, and I take back, and in the box were things like this. This is my onesie. That, uh, yeah, okay. And uh, there's really not more to be said about that. And then, um, the bib that I had. And uh, this one really sort of surprised me. Yeah, it's right here. Um, Little League Baseball. This is my shirt from VFW League team that I played on. (laughs) My Cub Scout hat and outfit. And with a number of the kerchiefs that also went with the same. And then I got to the bottom. My Teddy. I haven't seen Teddy in a long time. I actually thought about Teddy not long ago. I wondered where Teddy was. And uh, Mom gave me this box. And uh, Dad had said to me at the house, well, when you get over there, Mom's going to want to give you something, but he wouldn't tell me what. He just said, I think she wants to give it to you before she can't be the one to give it to you. So I'm taking a look at these, and I'm holding on to Teddy a whole lot longer than I probably should as a 62-year-old man. (laughs) And uh, my mom, who's never been the talker in the family. She didn't have much of a chance with Dad and me and Jim. She was always pretty quiet. In fact, I will tell you that over the last probably three, five years, I've talked more with my mom and learned more about her than I did the entire rest of my life. That's confession. That's just truth. She said, one day, Jim and you and I, Mom, um, were in Flint visiting Grandma Kranz. That would be my dad's mom. She said, I don't know where Jim was. He was somewhere in the house playing, and you were um, sitting on my lap. I said, how old was I? She said, I don't know, one, one and a half, something like that. Okay. She said, I remember Grandma Kranz asking me, what do you want him to be when he grows up? I said, Mom, I've never heard this story. What did you say? And she said, 
I hope he'll be a preacher. I never heard that story. She never expressed that to me. Not when I was 17 and declared that I was going to be a candidate for ministry. Not when I went to Adrian College and majored in religion. Not when I got ordained twice. Not once in 37 years of my ministry did I know that that was my mom's prayer for me. Offering can be very powerful. Sometimes in ways in which we can't even understand. Now, was I a sealed deal? Because mom offered me up in prayer that I would be a preacher. Was that the done deal? My desire to be a head football coach and a... a, uh, Well, I wanted to be head football coach, but um, I was going to teach history on the side. So that was my first dream. And the dream to be a Michigan State policeman, were those all just my wasting time because this deal was sealed? Or was it perhaps a seed that needed to get nurtured? I I don't know how to answer that question. I'm not even sure what I necessarily believe about it. But what I do believe is this, that offering has power to it. And whatever else I don't know, this I do know. My mom, when I was a year, prayed that I'd be a preacher, and here I am. Offering has a power to it that we don't control, but it releases into the world so many things. The act of offering of God throughout Scripture is the powerful intersection where the presence of God is made known and the people of God respond in some fashion. Abraham with Isaac on the mountain, Ruth offering herself, her life, her future to people would be her people. Mary and Joseph together offering their lives to receive this child that is dropped in their laps from heaven. The disciples offering bread and fish, trusting Jesus could make out of what little they could see into something more they could not envision. And the most humbling offering of all where God actually chose to give up heaven and come be with us and put himself on the cross. Offering is the critical moment when tomorrow is set free from being a repeat of yesterday. Offering is when we are reminded of what is everlasting in the world that is often focused on the immediate and the out-of-date. Offering is we move from being a pew-sitter to being a disciple. Offering is when our hopes become either blessed or transformed. And offering is when the church becomes an open vessel of grace, changing people's lives in the world. Offering is the ultimate moment when that which we talk about becomes that which we do. Offering is when we place our lives on the foundation of faith, whereas in the words of the scripture that Brenda just read to you, we set our hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather, we do not set our hope on uncertainty of riches, but rather on God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. We are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share 
thus storing up for ourselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that we may take hold of the life that really is life. To take hold of life that is truly life. Today I am thrilled and humbled to receive this new member class. Thursday night, I sat with them, uh, the second of their two classes. And as I sat with them, we began to share stories of our faith journey. And the Hesses, who can't be here with us today, but will be joining later, um, started off and told their story. And it was, uh, I mean, I was just struck by the power of their story. And then we moved on to the Grams and then around, and each person had a story to tell that was not, well, we, you know, we used to join this church and we were at this church and then we came to Clark's and we came to this church. Nobody had that story. Each one had stories to tell, and if you, if you would dare to take the opportunity to get to know these good new members, they have a story to tell. And in almost every case, in every family, There's a story of how arriving at this church is the healing power in their life that God is making possible. This is the place they have landed to discover in a way in which they were first taught they were not acceptable. Here they are acceptable by you, by us, by God. They tell stories that at the end, I mean, as we got around to the final person who spoke, I was just worn out. And I was humbled. And I thought to myself, if I just had these nine people, I could start a whole church. Their story is so powerful because what's happening in their life because they've come here is an offering. Today, they came up and stood in front of you and offered their lives to walk alongside you because you've already touched and changed them. I'm going to tell you this is the truth. There are Sundays I stand up in front of you and I say, this place is changing lives. And I know that it is, but on any given Sunday, I may not have a name. You know what I'm saying? I may not that week have the names that that's the person we touched this week. I just know what's happening. But I'm here to tell you today, after Thursday night, I know that there are nine people in this room right now whose lives have been changed because they've come to receive the offering of grace that you have given and they've come to offer their lives to be with you. I'm humbled by them. And today, alongside them, we take our vows to offer our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness to this ministry. You've probably noticed, if you've been here for more than a couple years, that over the last year or two, I have been a little more focused on making sure we pay attention to the offering time in worship. It is because I have become convicted to understand that too often times the church allows people just to skate along the edges of faith and never jump in the water. That the invitation has to be made. And the invitation is yours to respond to. What am I ready to do now for the sake of Christ? How am I willing to orient my life to be those disciples that God works through to touch the lives of others? 
How can I claim the truth of who I am? How can I live in celebration of this ministry that we share? How can I be part of creating something brand new for others? I know there are skeptics who think that, you know, the focus on offering is because we need money. Christ did not come into the world and say, I'm dying for you that we can raise the budget. Christ came into the world so he could touch and change lives for the sake of Christ. Christ came into the world so that you and I could have hope. Christ came into the world so that you and I could come into a community of faith and be openly loved and welcomed and receive who we are as we are and blessed and loved and invited to become even more than we ever thought we could be. That's the offering. So today, we wanted to have two offerings. We wanted to have the first offering which supports ministry of the church to to be taken and honored, and we've done that. But now we come into this moment. And I want to invite you to hear this invitation. I don't know where you are in your faith journey. I don't know what you've committed to in the past. I don't know what you've given to God or what yet needs to be turned over to God or what is new in your life that's time to release and give to God so that tomorrow is not a repeat of yesterday. But this is the moment. This is the moment where we together as a family of faith get a chance to make our commitment to supporting ministry financially for the coming year. That's a covenant that we've made as members of this church, prayers, presence, gifts, and service and witness. And for the first time in my ministry with you, we're going to do it together at the same time today. Now, I know there may be some of you who aren't quite ready to do that yet. It's fine. We'll pray about it today, and we invite you to get your, your estimate giving cards in within the next week if you could. But, but we want this to be an offering of the family together at the same time as much as possible. So in a few minutes, you're going to hear an anthem And as that anthem goes, we're going to give you that time to pray. And if you still need to talk to each other a little bit, what are we going to do? What should that number be? Take that time to do it. If you already know, then take your estimate of giving card out and fill it out. And consider whose life will be changed because of what you're doing right now. And then you also have a prayer card. That is yours to fill out, not a group effort, but together We're going to figure out what do I need to surrender to God? What relationship do I need to turn over to Christ? What child or children or family or spouse or parent do I need to write down as I offer them to God? What part of my life have I been holding back from God? It's time for me to give up the game and give it over. What angers and hurts or sins have you been holding on to too long where Christ is coming to you to say, you know what, I really meant this forgiveness thing, and I meant it for your enemies, but I also meant it for you. What do you need to pray for? Who do you need to make sure it gets blessed this week and you want to lift them up in prayer? Take that prayer card and write it down and put those in the envelope that you've been given. And when we start to sing the hymns together, you're going to be invited as you're ready to come up. There's not going to be an usher directing you. When you're ready, just come up. And we've got two of these wonderful gift benches that John Acton has made that our angels in training have decorated with liturgical colors. And we're going to invite you to come up. 
And it's going to be haphazard, and it's not going to be organized, and it's going to be wonderful, and it's going to be your opportunity to give to God what God is asking you, what you need to turn over. Put both cards, put your envelope in these, go back, keep singing, and let us be the family of faith together. Offering has a power that once given releases in a way which we do not control, thanks be to God. My mama prayed for me back in the day when all I was able to do was hold on to Teddy. I'm glad she offered me. I invite us to prayerfully we get ready now to offer whatever we can offer to God. Loving God, we give you this moment. We give you our life. We surrender now unto you the portions that we have been receiving from you so richly and now ask that you would take them to uh, support ministry, to reach out to others, and to bless this community and world, to bring healing and hope. I ask you to move in our hearts and let us finally put on the prayer card that thing that we have chosen not to put down long ago, but now it's time. We're ready to surrender. We're ready to offer. Receive our offering and bless us now in the name of Christ. Amen.